Hey, maintenance disruptors, this is Blair Fraser here, wishing you a happy new year. As I started to reflect on, on 2021 and started to plan the podcast schedule for 2022, I looked back to all the great interviews, and I forgot about how many we've done, how many great people we've had on this podcast to share their knowledge, share their experience, and hopefully allow everyone to, to learn something new, to take away something. And as I reflect back on that, um, you know, most of us, to listen to this podcast, or, or obviously those that are on this podcast are experienced. They've, they've cut their teeth. They have some scars to show they've been in this industry for a while. And one thing is clear that's that's a concern for, for many of us is, is attracting new talent into this field. So one thing I've been asked to do is to start looking if we can schedule some podcasts that go back to the basics, back to the foundation of maintenance reliability. For those young people that are, are joining organizations and are, are, are new to maintenance and reliability to, to get a foundation, to get a framework about maintenance and reliability. And so what we want to do at Maintenance Disrupted is focus around back to the basics, back to that foundation. And the first thing that I'm going to focus this series on around back to the, the basics is around condition monitoring or asset condition monitoring. And I couldn't think of a better person or a better way to start this series of round back to the basics than with my friend Adrian Messer of UE Systems to talk about ultrasound, to talk about what is ultrasound? How is it being used? What are the best practices? How do you start a program? What are some of the challenges, pitfalls? What are some of the equipment being used? And we're going to use those type of questions in back to the basics for all these technologies. We do ultrasound, vibration, infrared, thermography, um, oil analysis, those type of things, and really get back to the basics. And then, of course, we'll get back to the uh, in the weeds, more technical, emerging technology space. So before we begin this podcast with Adrian Messer of UE Systems, a quick note from our sponsors. Well, I want to give a special thanks to our continued sponsor, NanoPercise. I know these guys personally. I know what they're building. I've seen them. I've talked to their customers. And if you haven't yet, please check out nanoprecise.io. And also a special announcement from our friends at NanoPercise. A big shout out to them. They have recently won an award for Best Industry 4.0 Solution Implementation. They have been recognized as the winner of the NASCOM, that's N-A-S-S-C-O-M, Center of Excellence Smart Manufacturing Excellence Award for the Best Industry 4.0 Solution Implementation. If that is not reason enough, I don't know what else you need to go check out nanoprecise.io. And to those at NanoPrecise, thank you for sponsoring our platform. Without you, this wouldn't be possible. Thank you. And now on to our interview with Adrian Messer, around the back to the basics of ultrasound. Thank you for coming on the Maintenance Disrupted podcast. I appreciate you being on here. Yeah, well, thanks for the invite, Blair. I'm really honored to be a part of the uh, podcast today. Thank you. Good. And so I guess for our listeners, and uh, you know, I've talked about this earlier, is as we're getting into the new year, one thing I want to um, get back to as we started to do these podcasts now, and I don't know how many podcasts we have out there, almost 100,000 downloads, is we started getting really deep into the weeds on things, which was fine, right? It, it, it was specific to a certain nuance within maintenance and reliability. And, and one thing I've gotten feedback on was um, 
going back to the basics. And that's really what I'm trying to do here with this podcast series now called Going Back to the Basics. I'm going to look at all the components of what makes up a good maintenance and reliability program and go back to the fundamentals of, of what it is, um, how to use it, what are some of the pitfalls, challenges, successes, whether it's technology, it's it's procedure. So all across maintenance and reliability. And selfishly, where I wanted to start with, and this is where a lot of my passion and focus comes from, is around condition monitoring, right? Call it predictive technologies, condition monitoring, whatever bucket you want to put it into. And selfishly, the first thing I thought of was ultrasound, right? And then you cannot think of ultrasound without thinking of Adrian, right? Adrian's been the the, the face of, of ultrasound, someone I've um, proud to call a colleague and a friend. I've known you for a lot of years, Adrian. Um, we met on the, I'll call it the maintenance and reliability circuit, if you will, of conferences. Yep. And I wheezed my way into a few free dinners and now I work for UE Systems. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whenever it came to ultrasound, I, I thought of you, Adrian. So I thought, what a better guest than having Adrian Messer, who is our strategic accounts leader at UE Systems, who has been at, I say at this, in the ultrasound field for 18 years, day in, day out, not behind the scenes with our customers, from, you know, I answered the question, what is ultrasound to helping them stand up or, you know, continuing to evolve their program and 18 years of experience is nothing you can read in the book. The only way to get the knowledge that's in your head, Adrian, is by doing it. And so that's why I've asked you to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Is there, is there anything I missed, Adrian, from, <clears throat> from who you are, what you do? Yeah, I think you did fine. Uh, I'm not really one to toot my own horn, but um, you know, there are certainly people out there out in the field who have done ultrasound or been around ultrasound longer than me. I don't know that there's anybody that's enjoyed it more than I have. Um, it, it is a fun industry to be in. Uh, you know, I've had the pleasure of getting to know some really good people throughout the years had the pleasure of seeing some really cool things, you know, how things are made. That's probably one of the, the best things about our industry. You get to see a lot of different processes and how things are made and a lot of the behind the scenes. So, uh, yeah, it's been a great 18 years. So I have, have no regrets at all. So, uh, again, though, thanks for having me. Good. And I think just a, a nuance onto that is, yes, there and I find this literally with every single thing I dip my toes into is um, by no means an expert and sometimes dangerously flat in terms of what I know. But there is one thing that stands out in an industry is you can read, you can study all you want. And this is the difference between, you know, academia or, um, you know, that kind of theoretical knowledge versus actual implementation. And often there is a big gap. There's a big yeah. gap of, of what you think you can get done based on theoretical. And you get into specifically our industry where it's dull, dangerous, dirty, um, you know, there's, there's sources of, of noise everywhere in your industrial plants. We're not in a nice clean building in an office building, right? Yeah. So taking that and really figuring out how to apply that, I think is, is one of your biggest strengths. So as we get into this, Adrian, we go back to the basics. What is ultrasound? And I'll actually start because I was going to say, what is our ultrasound, but maybe <laughs> ultrasound in general, right? If anybody yeah. that uh, 
is not an industry is listening to this. The first thing to think is babies. So, and yeah. I'm looking at babies in the stomach, right? In person. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what is, what is ultrasound technology when we look at it from a maintenance reliability point of view? Yeah. So I, I exactly it right onto that. You know, I still have family and friends that think I do something in the medical field and I'm certainly not uh, a medical ultrasound <laughs> technologist. I'm not going to see how far along you are in your pregnancy or anything like that, but yeah, so you're exactly right. There are different forms of ultrasound. So there's, the medical form of ultrasound that we think of. And that's more along the lines of like pulse echo. Uh, more traditionally, uh, that pulse echo ultrasound in our industry would be used for like a thickness gauge or flaw detection. Like my dad, he was a welder at a nuclear power plant. So he was very familiar with having to do UTs on welds. So it's more of what I would say the non-destructive testing form of ultrasound. And then there's a power ultrasound where they use high frequency sound waves to clean parts. So a lot of your plants, a lot of your facilities probably have in the shop, they probably have an ultrasonic parts cleaner. But the form of ultrasound that we deal with at UE Systems, and uh, we've been in this since 1973, uh, so we've been in it now for almost 50 years, um, we deal in the airborne and structure-borne ultrasound. So we're not emitting anything like the power or the pulse echo, but we're simply a listening device. So we're listening for high-frequency sound that is inaudible to normal human hearing. So um, and there's, a, there's a process called heterodyning or translation that the, the sensors and the instruments will take that sound that is inaudible and translate that down into an audible that we would either hear in our headset. So if we're out doing a, an inspection, you know, if we're checking bearings or steam traps or looking for air leaks, you know, we're actually going to hear the sound of the bearing. We're going to hear the sound of the air leak, or we're going to hear the sound of the steam trap. So, um, Again, it's just a listening device, so no different than an infrared camera sees what you can't see. Uh, an accelerometer for vibration feels what you can't feel. We listen and detect what you can't hear. You mentioned this, so it's a high-frequency noise that, that's that's being measured. Um, what, what frequency range are we talking about here? Yeah, so I know on our instruments uh, at UE Systems, uh, our ultra probe instruments, most of them will have frequency tuning capability. So you have the ability to tune or adjust the frequency as low as 20 kilohertz, or you can go as high as 100 kilohertz. Uh, but there is an ISO standard that gives you some good recommendations as for the use and uh, some guidelines for how to use the technology and just kind of some best practices. It's ISO 29821 for those of you that are interested in that, but it gives in that standard recommended frequency settings for some of the different applications. There's only about four of them. Um, some of our, what I would call more entry level instruments are gonna be on a fixed frequency. So they're very operator friendly uh, to where they're kind of pretty much just kind of point and shoot types of instruments. Um, but if we think about how ultrasound relates to normal human hearing, uh, just for those of you that are curious, you know, on average, normal human hearing, the upper threshold of what we're capable of hearing is around 16 to 17 kilohertz. So I mentioned that the lowest frequency that we can tune or set our instruments to is 20 kilohertz. So already at its lowest frequency, we're capable of hearing sound that is inaudible or above the range of normal human hearing. So that's hence why it's called ultrasound. Right. And, and to your analogy, I thought that was perfect is t 
to 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 listen to what we can't hear, right? Yeah. And what what a great to you know IR to see what we can't see, vibration to feel what we can't feel, right? What a great analogy of, of putting that in perspective. So, what are some of the applications when it comes to ultrasound? You you mentioned a few of of, of those um, assets components that are going to generate that noise at that ultrasound level. Where do you yep. see ultrasound being used? Yep. So you know it used to be that all people wanted to talk about with ultrasound was compressed air leak detection. And, you know, I still say that compressed air leak detection with ultrasound is by far the most widely used application for ultrasound. But I think it's become to the point where it's been so widely used. It's just like, yeah, compressed air leak detection with ultrasound. Yep, we do that. We know that. So, but now fast forward to today, and I would say that the majority of our users at UE Systems, you know, the customers that we deal with on a daily basis are using ultrasound for what I would consider to be more advanced types of applications, that being bearing condition monitoring, uh, bearing lubrication, and electrical inspection. So, um, you know, I would say though, especially the bearing inspection, bearing condition monitoring, bearing lubrication, those are two big ones. Uh, The electrical side of it is kind of being driven by safety. Um, you know, to where we see people that will listen to energized electrical equipment prior to opening up for uh, an IR scan or some sort of other type of inspection or maintenance to where in that case, we're forewarned about any potential problems before we open up and, and, and become exposed to that hazard. So in a sense, we're reducing the risk or the chance of an arc flash. So that's where we see that really being safety driven, where we see the uh, the bearing condition monitoring being driven is just simply the ease of use of setting up a an ultrasound bearing condition monitoring program. Uh, you know, it's very easy to learn the technology. It's very easy to collect the data, to interpret the data. Uh, The hardest part typically about it is setting up the routes, Um, you know, taking the time to enter that data into the the software, wherever you want that data to go. Um, So I would say, you know, again, uh, we talked about compressed air leak detection. One more thing about compressed air leak detection is, so yeah, we know that it's widely used. Now, where the advancements have come in with compressed air leak detection is on the reporting and documentation. So not only can we find the leaks, but now we can create a really nice report that's going to give you the dollars lost and the CFM loss. So it's one thing to say, hey, we went out and we found 20 air leaks today, but it's another to say, hey, we went out and we found $12,000 in air leak cost. So anytime you can put a dollar amount to what it is that you're doing uh, as far as maintenance goes, you know, that just helps to create awareness and buy-in. So that's where we've really seen the advancements in uh, ultrasound compressed air leak detection is on the reporting and documentation part of it. Um, So we talked about, you know, leak detection. We talked a little bit about steam traps. You know, that's another energy application. So it's very industry specific. Uh, so if you're in pharmaceutical, if you're in refining or chemical, you, know, you may have thousands of steam traps. So again, just like with compressed air leaks, we can generate a really nice report that will show the dollars lost from any failed steam traps, whether they be you know leaking by or failed open. Um, and again, if you're in one of those facilities where you've got thousands of steam traps, you know, the savings shown, or I guess I should say the, the, the waste shown uh, from doing just one steam trap survey 
uh, could be into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So just from an energy point of view, the uh, the opportunities are you know can be pretty pretty eye opening. Um, we talked about electrical, where we're looking for faults like corona tracking and arcing, and again, that's being safety driven. And uh, bearing lubrication, you know, that's that's really uh, an application where uh, that seems to be the topic of conversation with a lot of people that I, I speak to on just about a daily basis. You know, they want to learn how we can use ultrasound to prevent lubrication related failures. And it's again, it's very easy to do that with ultrasound. So uh, it's friction related. So we can use ultrasound to prevent over and under lubrication of bearings. Right. Which which might be a problem in our industry. Might be a little bit of a problem in our industry. Just a, a just a little yeah. bit of a problem, <laughs> right? I have to say when I when we have those conversations and you know we call it the aha moment when you listen to a bearing. So you're listening to that bearing and, and you know picture rocks being uh, crushed, and all of a sudden you you lubricate it and it goes nice and quiet to a nice steady hum, right? We call that internally. I guess externally as well that aha moment because literally people go aha, right? Yeah. And I often say, this is why we should really have gotten into the grease business because everyone over greases, right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But we're trying to we're trying to um, prevent that. So that was a great explanation. So when it comes to the advantages, and maybe this can be answered by the applications, I'm not sure, but what are the advantages of using ultrasound technology? Yeah, I would say two big ones are simply the versatility of ultrasound. Uh, in most cases. Um, you know, the same tool or the same instrument that you can use for leak detection is the same instrument you can use for steam traps. It's the same instrument you can use for electrical, and it's the same instrument you can use for bearings. So I would say versatility is a big one. Uh, and then just how complementary it is. Um, you know, again, I, I kind of use that analogy, you know, we hear what you can't hear, you know, just like IRCs and then, you know, an accelerometer feels. So ultrasound is very complementary to other condition monitoring technologies. Um, and I would say another one is just the ease of use of it. Um, you know, with just little training, uh, some assistance um, with what we call an equipment orientation type training to where we come in and we we help you familiarize yourself with the the instrument, the software. We do some hands-on. You know, typically after that, someone is comfortable enough to where they can take it out to start to use it. So uh, again, I would say the versatility, you know, just the same tool can be used for a multitude of applications. Uh, the ease of use of it as far as learning how to use it, how to interpret the data, how to collect the data. And then how complementary it is to what you already may be doing uh, as far as condition monitoring. No, that, that, that's spot on, the, the, the versatility and ease of use. So when it comes to ultrasound, now you, you've mentioned all these applications and the versatility of, of saying, and this is, you know, it's also, it's a curse and a blessing because one tool can solve a lot of problems, right? Um, and it, it can be a curse because it's almost like, but wait, there's more. Right, it can do that. It can do this. It can do this. Yeah. It can do. Now, there's some nuances to it. Um, you know, different probe types and things like that that you would use accessories you would use to complement that specific, yeah. but it's in the toolkit that comes with it. So, what type of products are there for ultrasound on the market from from UE Systems? Yep. So at UE Systems, we make a total of eight different models of our 
you know, handheld portable type, uh, you know, inspection tools and, and data collectors. And you're exactly right. So some of that depends on, uh, you know, people's budget, you know, just simply what they can afford. Uh, some of it may depend on what application they're they're going to use ultrasound for. Uh, if, if you're looking for something that's just for leak detection, obviously you don't need the most sophisticated diagnostic, you know, ultra probe that we make. Uh, and that's why we have different models, you know, according to, to people's budgets and then the applications. Um, but yeah, so within that range, you know, kind of on the low end, you know, we've got tools that are what I would call entry-level operator friendly to where, you know, we see those being used on, you know, with, with operator care where they maybe have the operators go around and do checks on equipment. Uh, so again, it's pretty much kind of point and shoot, uh, and it gives them just an easy visual indicator uh, with the decibel level to what they're listening to, so they can then record that or or note any kind of changes. Um, and then we, you know, starting with I would say our Ultra Probe Nine Thousand. That's where I kind of talk about that being more of a, a good kind of mid level tool that has the frequency tuning. You know, you've got the ability to do route based inspections to where we can load a route into that Ultra Probe, collect data, and then download back into that route. So that's where we start to get into trending, uh, setting baselines, setting alarm levels, report generation. And, uh, and then I would say our Ultra Probe 10,000 and 15,000, those are more diagnostic type tools. So not only can we do the routes, but we can also record the sound file of where of what it is that we're listening to. And, and that's really where ultrasound is as a technology today is it's not just about listening. It's not just about the decibel level, but really it's making use of those recorded sound files. And when we do that, we play that back in the UV Spectralizer software. And that paints a picture as to what's really happening with that bearing or with that electrical noise that we heard from coming from that electrical cabinet. Um, so, uh, again, those those would be what I would consider to be the more diagnostic type tools and uh, and ultrasound in its own, you know, kind of along those lines has become a more diagnostic tool. Um, you know, it used to be that. Um, some of the hardest people to go in to talk to about ultrasound were your, your salty, you know, level two, level three vibe analysts. Uh, they didn't want to have anything to hear about ultrasound. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, and because they were just so entrenched in vibration, that's what they had done for, you know, 20 plus years. So that's what they were comfortable with. And that's what they believed in. But now again, Fast forward to today, and some of the best users of our equipment are people with extensive vibration backgrounds. So for us as a company, it's been very rewarding to see the acceptance of ultrasound in the vibration community, uh, but then also just simply to become a more diagnostic tool in its own right. Right. And I like the way you put that, and I wrote that down um, internally purpose as well around the categories of identify trend, diagnose, like that's yeah. That's spot on a way to look at our equipment, depending on, you know, the the, the company, the person, the maturity of, of what they're trying to accomplish, the maturity yeah. of the reliability program. Um, that's a that's a really great way of looking at it. Yeah, and so, but one, one more thing before we move forward yeah. and talking yeah. about equipment. So I talked about you know the the portable handheld data collectors. And then we also have a line of uh, fixed sensors that can do twenty four seven monitoring. So. We have sensors that can be, you know, permanently mounted to monitor rotating equipment, uh, mechanical assets, uh, even electrical assets. So we have uh, sensors that can be used to 
uh, monitor 24 seven, you know, electrical assets to continuously listen for faults like Corona tracking and arcing. Uh, then most recently we have our on-track system, uh, which we, the latest version of that, we've added the ability to tie in smart um, uh, single point lubricators. So now it becomes more prescriptive lubrication where we're using ultrasound to not only monitor the bearing, but then also to let us know when it is in need of grease. And then once it's in need of grease, that's going to trigger a series of events that will uh, cause that single point lubricator to apply a little bit of grease at a time until that friction level falls back down to a normal baseline level. So um, we're, we're really excited about that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, uh, just being at a recent conference, that's definitely making its its mark on the on the industry. That ability to automate that lubrication using using ultrasound. Yep. Uh, so, you know, and, and I guess what, one of the reasons I had you on this podcast or invited you and is your experience. And, and as you said, you know about the ability to set up programs, the ability to okay. So it, it's one thing to have equipment, and we've seen that right of people buying equipment and. You know, it still happens to this day. It's still in the box on the shelf, right? And, uh, you know, you can't listen to what you can't hear if it's in the box on the shelf. So when, when people get started with a ultrasound program, what, what guidance would you give? What input, what catches are there that you would try to avoid or recommendations to start with? Yeah, usually when I'm asked this question, I, I kind of talk about... Um, uh, and, and in thinking about this, it's kind of my three P's. I know there's a different three P's for, uh, I think everybody's got their own little three P's, but you know, mine for this question are, you know, people, uh, a lot of times when we see the success or the failure of, of a program, it's not necessarily a people problem. You know, you can have some great champions, you know, you can train people, um, and then, you know, the product, uh, you know, you can have the best ultrasound, the best infrared, the best vibration, the best, whatever, but then that third P is procedure um, and not only procedures for how that tool will be used, but just procedures in place that will then allow for the use of the tool to begin with. Um, and, and, you know, again, you've got to have all three of those together to make a good successful program. Uh, so again, we see the success of the failure of a program based off of typically uh, a procedure problem. Uh, and again, not only for procedures that define how that tool will be used, but then procedures uh, that will simply allow for the use of the tool. No, that's great. And I love those three Ps. And one, <laughs> one thing that stands out, Adrian, and again, I might be going too internal here, is I didn't realize the impact of... Um, UE systems, and I've since coined it, the relentless pursuit for customer experience. And you touched on it briefly uh, in one of my earlier questions was this equipment orientation. Yeah. And I think this stands out in industry and it's something that um, every technology solution provider should challenge themselves to do it is this equipment orientation. And because you're trying to break down those barriers of getting this new piece of equipment. Yes, it's shiny. It's in a nice box and it comes out. But, we, you know, in my experience, and I've been on both sides of the fence is, you know, giving a new piece of equipment, or especially if you weren't involved in the purchasing process and you're giving this equipment. So listening to this podcast, there may be people that are decision makers, but not the actual people going to be implementing it. So they want to bring ultrasound in. I want to find, you know, savings in my compressed air leaks. I want to start measuring the friction and bearing and determine when exactly to lubricate. I want to know 
when a MCC bucket or switchgear is safe before I open it up to do other technologies. And, and so that's a great thing to want, but to actually get that, it goes down to a different uh, silo in the organization. And I think where UE Systems has really stood out to, to ensure the early onset of this technology adoption is being used right. It's, it's, it's the little things that often can break a program. Well, I didn't know how to do this, so I stopped, right? Yeah. Um, so can you walk me through what an equipment or why you guys, and I'll say you guys, but why we decided, because it was long before me, um, yeah. decided, and I can't imagine how many equipment orientations you have done, Adrian. It has to be at least two hundred thousand, um, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but what's the intent of those equipment orientations? What is it like? Well, you know, one of the things that has made UE Systems to be where we are today and to, to be as successful as we are and to have been able to, uh, you know, maintain our position, you know, as far as ultrasound goes in the PDM arena is the amount of support that we offer to our customers. You know, again, we don't care if you're using our ultra probe 100 or ultra ultra probe 15,000, you know, we, we want to make sure that you're the best user of that tool as you possibly can be. So for us an equipment orientation is where, uh, and we've been doing these virtually as well over the last uh, you know year and a half. So we have been able to kind of pivot, and we pivoted nicely. Um, you know, if there was one thing that uh, that COVID kind of forced us to do was forced us to be more proactive to what we can do and offer online. So you know, we we've got these online level one classes now, which are going phenomenal. We've had great feedback from those. Uh, we're finally getting back to doing some face to face in person classes, but. Um, so these equipment orientation trainings, again, can be done in person or virtually, and uh, they can be done by anyone at UE Systems who is available, especially virtually, but typically they're done by the local, uh, what we call regional manager or local support there uh, to that customer. And it's basically where we go in and we help get them started with the tools. So we go over you know, how to use the tool, how to collect data, how to set up routes, how to take that data, download back into the software. So it's very, uh, you know, classroom as well as hands-on oriented. So we like to spend as much time out in the field doing hands-on as we do in the classroom, because that's kind of where everything you learn in the classroom, that's where everything really starts to click and, and really start to make sense. So again, that equipment orientation training includes, uh, training on the instrument and then some, um, I guess, overall, you know, kind of an overview type training on the software. Um, and that, again, that's complementary to what we offer at, at UE Systems as far as our support. And uh, again, because of that, you know, we tend to have a lot of people that follow us their entire career in maintenance and reliability. So maybe they start out as a maintenance technician at one plant, they moved over to another plant, now they're maybe their maintenance manager. And now all of a sudden they're in a corporate role to where now they're responsible for reliability and um, at multiple sites. So again, and, that, and that's one of the things that's always been very rewarding to me is to kind of meet someone when they're just starting out. And then you, know, you kind of see their progression as they move kind of up the ranks, if you will, uh, to where now they're in a corporate position to where they're responsible for reliability at, at multiple sites. So uh, again, I, that's that's kind of what's involved with that equipment orientation. And that's why we have put a lot of emphasis on that at UE Systems, uh, just simply from a support. And, it, and it's, it's very typical for us to go in and do refresher equipment orientation trainings, because like I just said, in this industry, there tends to be a lot of 
turnover. There's a lot of people that move from plant to plant or company to company. So, um, you know, we're not opposed to going back in and doing refresher type training. You know, if you've got new technicians or, or new people involved in reliability. Perfect. No, I understand that important hands-on and that's what I was alluding to at the start of this about, you know, theory is one thing. Yeah. Implementation, actually application driven. Right. And, and, you know, what I'm always amazed at is, okay, so, you know, I'll give you the scenario and you can walk me through the solution. So, you know, so you're going to measure the, the, the friction in a bearing using ultrasound. Um, and it sounds okay. So this is what you do. You know, you use, you know, you have these options of these probes, you know, record the value, take a sound capture. If you're using the diagnostic tools, those types of things, right. It all looks good on paper. Okay. This is great. Technician goes out there. Well, it's guarded. There's, there's guards around it. I, I, I'm not sticking my hand through there. I can't yeah. stick a probe through there. So in theory, it was great. Okay, so what I have to do, but I can't get to it. So there has to be a solution. What, yeah. So that's a great example of theory versus application. So what, yeah. what, 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 what do you do in a scenario where you have um, specifically mechanical equipment you need to be able to touch with that structure more ultrasound? What do you do in order to solve that problem? Yep. So there is a solution for that. Um, and we see that a lot because equipment that, say, used to be accessible 12, 15 years ago, now now due to safety or guarding, uh, can no longer be accessible while it's running. So uh, we have a, a simple solution for that. And it's very it's an economical solution. It's called our remote access sensor. So you can go in when it's safe to do so, and you can mount and install uh, a little sensor, you know, a couple inches in, in height, you know, maybe an inch in diameter. And then it's on a BNC cabled connection. So you mount the sensor, run the cable out, and that's other end of that cable can either be connected directly to an ultra pro, or we can bring as many as eight of them together to a junction box. So now, you know, we're saving time because now we're able to take up to eight readings from one location. So we're not having to move around. And so it saves steps. Um, so that would be the solution for that type of scenario uh, would be our RAS or remote access sensor. Perfect. Great. I just want to highlight the scenarios of, of, you know, obviously theoretical and then actually getting yeah. into an actual plant location where, yeah. um, you know, things are, are, not as they appear to be in, in typical marketing photos, right? Not always. <laughs> <laughs> not always. There's the odd case. Yeah, yeah. There's the odd case. So as you wrap this up, Adrian, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about the use cases around compressed air leak detection, uh, bearing and lubrication, monitoring electrical applications, um, valve and steam traps. So when it comes down to it, what should our listeners know about this technology? What, what should they consider? What should they take away from this? Yeah, so we've talked about a lot. Um, you know, we've talked about how versatile ultrasound is, you know, how easy it is to use. Uh, we talked about applications. Uh, I talked about my three Ps, you know, the, the, the product, um, you know, the procedure, and then the people part of, of what we do. Um, so I would, I would say that, um, you know, we've all, well, we've kind of always said internally at, at UE is, you know, our biggest competition are people who choose to do nothing. So I would say, don't be one of those people who chooses to do nothing. Um, you know, if you ever want to have any kind of improvements in your facility, when it comes to reliability, uh, you've got to do something. And, um, you know, over my years, I've seen, you know, again, ultrasound tends to be 
a really good fit in environments where it's very reactive to where there is no in-house condition monitoring, you know, nothing's being done, everything is run to failure. So again, ultrasound is a good fit in those types of environments simply because it is easy to use and simply it is, you know, we can use the same tool for multiple applications. Um, you know, maybe you're in a facility where the uh, condition monitoring is being outsourced to where you rely on the services of an outside service provider to come in quarterly to take vibration data or do infrared scans. Again, ultrasound is a good fit in those types of environments because it is economical. You know, you, now you've got a tool at your disposal that you can use to go out when you need to. Uh, we've even seen to the point of where in those environments, you know, if they have established routes, they then kind of have a list uh, in order of priority of kind of problems and things that they've found with ultrasound. So it makes better use of that service provider's time before they ever walk in the door. So, you know, I, I would just say, you know, again, do something. Um, it's not hard, not hard to do. <laughs> we're here to, we're here to support you. Uh, so you have the full support of UE systems. Uh, if you're looking to implement an ultrasound program at your facility, uh, I'm available. I love to talk to people and, and help people and hear about people's problems and, and try to offer solutions. So, uh, and, and I, I say I, but, you know, really just about anybody within UE systems, you know, we, we kind of have the same mold and, and we're, we're all that way. So, um, do something and don't be afraid. And, uh, it's not as hard to, to start a program as, as you think it is. Perfect. Excellent. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for giving us a, an overview of ultrasound, the applications, some of the challenges, where to consider starting. Um, and uh, for me personally, I take away the three P's. I think that was fantastic, right? Thanks. Um, and uh, I'm sure our listeners uh, appreciate it. So, um, you know, I, I think what we're going to do, Adrian, if I can get you back on the show, is maybe we'll dive a little bit deeper into those applications about sure. some of the nuances of how to do them. So I think that's the next step. So we went over, you know, back to the basics. Okay, what it is, what are the applications, how to use it, but a little bit more interest on, you know, so let's pick one of them, get you back on the show. Let, let's do, you know, you mentioned this, the increase in bearing and, and lubrication, you know, dive deep into that. How do you use ultrasound specifically for that? How do you set up the roads? What are you looking for? How do you know when to lubricate? So essentially what I'm at, as I'm asking you back again, and sometime in the near future, Adrian, <laughs> for, for part two of, of back to the basics with, with ultrasound, um, how can our listeners get in touch with you? How can they find you? How can they reach out to you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my email address, if you want to shoot me an email, uh, it's just simply adrianm at uesystems.com. Uh, look me up on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn just about every day. Uh, so I'm active on LinkedIn. So if we're not already connected, uh, send me a connection request. If we are already connected, send me a message. Love to hear from you. And uh, those, those are the two best ways, email and LinkedIn. Perfect. And I'll put those on the on the show notes in case everyone wants to go. I don't know if anyone actually ever reads our show notes, but we do do them. And we will put that link in the show notes. And of course, we'll tag you on LinkedIn as well when this post goes out and uh, they can listen to this, get inspired. Um, and uh, my request is you ask Adrian, no matter where you are, to get to your site because you're going to want him at your site if you're considering it. I'm, I'm speaking for Adrian. He'll get to you. <laughs> I, I will get to you somehow, some way. <laughs> He'll get, get to you. you. He gets around yeah. uh, frequent flyers. So, uh, Adrian, thanks again for this this overview. And I really do look forward to to part two, three, four, five, six of, yeah. of ultrasound. Eventually, we won't get to the basics anymore. I'll have to recall this series, but something. But again, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Hey, thanks, Blair. You're a great host. Thanks.